The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. From the Rutherford County District Attorney's Office, here is Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. We want to take this opportunity to wish the show's host, J. Paul Newman, a swift and speedy recovery. Coming up next, we will have special guests introducing our What's the Law segment. You see, J. Paul Newman, while as an Assistant District Attorney, strived to create an internship program at the office. He successfully started a program that brought in students from MTSU. Later, he included law students from Nashville School of Law, Belmont School of Law, University of Tennessee, and Cecil Humphrey School of Law in Memphis, Tennessee. Later, he created the program, expanded the program, and brought in students from across the country. Next, we're going to hear from two such students. And then, in our What's the Law segment, we will have three current law student interns present an issue in the law. Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City, and our hand-fed baby bird nursery is starting to fill up. If you are looking for your next sweet feathered companion, come in and see us. Find your next pre-loved, pre-spoiled pet here at Animal City. Be sure to check out our downstairs level. Here at Animal City, we would like to thank Murfreesboro for letting us be your family-owned and operated pet store for 33 years. Animal City is located at 919 Northwest Broad Street. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well trying to find a needle in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job to some job board, but then all you can do is hope the right person comes along, which is why you should try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com free. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. Its powerful technology identifies people with the right experience and actively invites them to apply to your job. You get qualified candidates fast. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you what you're looking for. The needle in the haystack. Four out of five employers who post a job in ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And right now you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to this exclusive web address, ziprecruiter.com slash free. That's ziprecruiter.com slash free. ZipRecruiter.com slash free. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. What's the law? Time now for an examination of the laws of Tennessee. This is not intended to be legal advice and is being presented solely for the informational benefit of our listening audience. You should always consult with an attorney whenever you need or rely on legal advice. Here is Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. Good morning, listeners. Today we have two very special guests along with three gentlemen that's going to be introducing our What's the Law segment. Today with us will be Mr. Justin Santamore, who interned with our office several years ago, and along with him, Ms. Anna-Kate Farrell, who is presently an intern with the District Attorney General's office. They will both be discussing briefly 
what their experience was and has been and currently is with the district attorney's office. I'll now turn it over to Mr. Santamore. Good morning, everybody. This is Justin St. Amore. just want to thank J. Paul Newman and WGNS for having us out this morning. So a little bit of background about me. Um, I'm from Riverdale High School here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I went on after, after graduating from Riverdale, went on to play baseball at Ball State and then finished up at MTSU, have my bachelor's in political science from MTSU. While at MTSU, I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to intern with the district attorney's office. I was there for about a year, year and a half. I started off in general sessions with Sheila, mainly, and Tom Jackson, a former and retired district attorney. About six months in, Tom Jackson actually offered me a job to work at the front office of the district attorney's office. So I I took that opportunity and ran with it. Um, I was there for another six to seven months, had the opportunity to work with Trevor Lynch, got to see a lot of the circuit court legal system. So I went from general sessions and lower court to circuit court. Had the opportunity to see mainly Trevor really prepare a case for trial. This was the first time that I'd actually seen the legal system. So I didn't realize how much effort and time that it took. It would take months, if not years, to prepare for trial. So I assisted him in helping with case files, scheduling interviews, bringing stuff up to the courthouse, some just some small things. Like I said, I'm able to to see the advocacy side. It was cool to see the attorney's arguments, how they presented witnesses, how to approach different kind of witnesses, whether it be an expert witness, an actual eyewitness, all those kinds of things. After my internship with the district attorney's office, I went on to go to Samford University Cumberland School of Law. I just finished my first year there, and this past summer, I actually interned with Judge Scarlett back here in Rutherford County. He does all civil work, but it was cool to see the correlation between my experience at the district attorney's office kind of carry over to my experience with the judge, because I was really able to see a different perspective, more so the, an objective perspective, not really an an advocacy perspective, really getting to see both sides. And, and, you know, it was really, really cool to see Judge Scarlett and how he thought about each case and and how well he prepared before each case and what went on behind the bench, what went on in the chambers. I didn't get to see that with the DA's office, but I was really able to see that with the judge. So it's, it's been cool to be able to have the experience with the DA's office from an advocacy perspective and then also the objective perspective, Judge Scarlett. And I have nothing but great things to say about the DA's office. If any of you listeners out there are at MTSU and thinking about interning with the district attorney's office here, I would highly, highly recommend it. Everybody's awesome, very open and willing to answer any questions you have. It'll really help you to make the decision on whether or not you want to attend law school. It's a huge decision you have to make in your life. And I think they do a great job of really educating and giving giving interns hands-on experience and seeing the best things that are out there. Thanks, Justin. Good morning, everybody. I am Anna Kate Farrell, and like Trevor said, I am a current intern for the Murfreesboro District Attorney's Office. I was born and raised here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, before going to the University of Mississippi for my undergraduate studies. I majored in both international studies and Spanish while I attended Ole Miss. But when I decided I wanted to go to law school, I knew that it was time to come home. So I chose to go to Belmont Law, where I am currently a rising 3L, meaning that I have one more year of law school before I become an attorney. I have a little bit of a different experience than Justin did in that I have had other work experience in the legal world, but it hasn't been criminal. So that, to me, has been what I've been most interested in in working in the DA's office is seeing that and comparing the two experiences because they are so different. 
But I think that being at the DA's has really rounded out my work experience as a law student. And I think it's important for any attorney to have that background in the criminal world, at least a little bit, dip your toes in it. During my time at the DA's office, I've primarily worked for Sarah Davis, someone who's been incredible to learn from. One of the biggest things that we have done is prepare for a trial that she actually had last week. So getting to see Sarah prep for that and all the work that went into it, talking to all the different characters that are involved in a trial, whether those be the victims and the eyewitnesses and the experts and law enforcement and all the many hats that Sarah has to wear before she even steps foot in the courtroom. I've really enjoyed learning what that looks like and the communication that's involved along the way. And then, of course, being in the trial, um, getting to see jury selection was especially one of my favorite parts. And that's when our local community members here in Rutherford County come into play, getting to see the arguments and examining witnesses, whether those be hostile witnesses or your own experts and eyewitnesses. It's been an incredible learning experience, and I am forever grateful to Sarah and the rest of the district attorney's office for letting me share in it. Thank you. See a few scattered showers and thunderstorms here this afternoon with cloudy skies high in the upper 80s. Tonight's slight chance for showers and storms alone near 69. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 74. Hi, I'm Larry Castelli, and I love living at Adams Place. It's very friendly. Everyone here seems to want to make friends and be your friend, and the staff is fabulous. Betsy, who is the director of activities, is fabulous. She's always having something going on. We have music at least once a week, wine and cheese, and there's all sorts of different type of activities. I would highly recommend Adam's Place. Good morning. Sometimes there's debris on the roadway up in Madison on 65 southbound near Briley Parkway. It's not causing too much of a delay, but TDOT's on their way to take care of it. A crash 24 westbound near Hickory Hollow Parkway just happened. They're trying to move that quickly because of that traffic's still a little bit busy coming in from Rutherford County on 24 as you head up again through the Hickory Hollow area. Watch for radar I-40 out in Dixon County. Nash Painting services all of Middle Tennessee, and they do a great job at it, too. Check them out at nashpainting.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. What's the law? Time now for an examination of the laws of Tennessee. This is not intended to be legal advice and is being presented solely for the informational benefit of our listening audience. You should always consult with an attorney whenever you need or rely on legal advice. Hello, my name is Ivy Burns. I'm a rising second year law student at the University of Tennessee College of Law. I also attended UT for undergrad, where I majored in history. As a double UT student, I'm a diehard Vol fan, so on any given weekend, you can catch me rooting on Vol sports teams. Up until I moved to college, I lived my whole life in Rutherford County. My family lives in Eagleville, and I attended Eagleville School from kindergarten to my senior year. As a result, Rutherford County is home to me, and I have an appreciation for the community and its people. This is why an internship with the District Attorney's Office here in my home county was appealing to me. I wanted to apply some of what I had learned in law school to assist and begin to understand the legal world at a local level. And that is exactly what I have done this summer. I've interacted with assistant district attorneys on a daily basis, taking their legal questions, conducting research to find answers, and typing up my findings along with my thoughts on the case. After my research, we sit and talk about what I have found and how it impacts the case they are working on. 
Also, I attend meetings with defense attorneys, police officers, and detectives, which has given me some insight on how law enforcement works from the very beginning of cases to their endings. Sitting in on meetings with victims and their families has taught me the reality and humanity behind the legal world because each case that comes through the office has very real implications in people's lives. Another great part of the internship is the opportunity to attend court for hearings and trials. Anytime I'm in court, I'm soaking in every interaction between the judges and attorneys, creating my understanding of how a courtroom operates. I've learned a lot from listening to the attorneys craft their questions and arguments to the judge. There's truly an art of pulling information out of a witness in order for the court to hear it. Overall, this has been a tremendous internship for me to use my knowledge from law school so far and to learn by experiencing the inner workings of local law. My fellow interns will tell you about themselves and their experiences this summer. Hi, uh, my name is Dexter and I am a summer intern for ADA Trevor Lynch. I'm a rising second year law school student at Georgetown Law and I'm a native of Murfreesboro and graduated from Central Magnet School in 2017 before enrolling at Lipscomb University for college. There I studied classical piano and political science and before starting law school I lived in Shanghai, China teaching English. So after finishing up my first year at law school, I knew I wanted to come back and work for the district attorney's office in a substantive way. I interned for the Rutherford County District Attorney's Office under ADA Sheila Fries and thoroughly enjoyed my experience with her. I helped her in general sessions court and learned so much about the Tennessee court system. I'm continuing to learn through my current internship with ADA Trevor Lynch. After providing me with a brief overview of the facts of the case and explaining to me the motion that was submitted by the other legal counsel, he'll task me with researching that area of law and drafting a response to the memo based on my research. Some of my favorite memories in the office have been sitting with, sitting with the other interns and talking out an area of law to make sure we fully understand it. As nerdy as that sounds, it can be pretty exhilarating. We also get to work closely behind Trevor in interacting with victims. Getting to hear about their stories and their experiences serves as a real motivator to the work that we do. We get to help bring justice to individuals or families of individuals who have been wronged. While the cases we deal with can be pretty intense at times, just knowing that we're contributing in such a positive way to the lives of the victims is something that I find to be a significantly rewarding feeling as part of the process here at the district attorney's office. Also, everybody in the office is so passionate about what they do and are always excited to share that passion with us interns. Whenever another attorney has an interesting case or has a trial going on, they make sure that the interns know so that we can sit in on it or watch it or be caught up on, on what else is happening in the office. It's a really incredible work environment and has been an unforgettable experience so far. And finally, hello, my name is Bryce Moore. Unlike the other four interns, I was not born in Rutherford County. However, don't think less of me for that. I was born and raised in Peoria, Arizona, a suburb of Phoenix. Yes, that desolate place where it is 115 degrees every day is what I call my home. And yes, I have seen water before, just not much of it. I attended Arizona State University for my bachelor's degree, Go Sun Devils. There, I double majored in history and justice studies. I moved to Tennessee last summer and am currently residing in Lebanon, Tennessee. I'm going into my second year at Belmont University College of Law in Nashville. This summer has been an awesome experience working at the 16th District Attorney General's office and learning what it is like to be a prosecutor. I am unsure of whether I will remain in Tennessee or go back to Arizona after law school, but I have enjoyed my time here so far, particularly in the Nashville area. It's quite a privilege to have so much live music around and so many good people in the area. Working as an intern at the DA's office has been a great exposure to the legal field. I have had the opportunity to attend meetings between defense and prosecution, attend hearings, and see what it's like to be an attorney in general. I spent a great deal of time looking through case files and analyzing evidence for homicides. I've learned a great deal this summer about respect and humility and dignity for victims. And now Ivy will talk about attempt. Welcome to What's the Law? 
we would like to remind you that this segment does not offer any legal advice. We are providing just an overview. There is not enough time in our segment today to give a comprehensive explanation of the law. In this segment today, you will hear from the interns, myself, Dexter, and Bryce, as we present on criminal attempt in Tennessee. Criminal attempt is a type of inchoate offense, which is a crime that is committed by taking a punishable step towards the commission of another crime. Criminal attempt has three elements. Number one, an intent to commit a specific crime. Number two, a substantial step towards the commission of the crime. And number three, failure to consummate the crime. A basic example of these three elements is if a person, one, intends to steal a woman's wallet from her purse, two, acts by reaching into her purse and looking through the items, and three, fails to grab the woman's wallet because she pulled it away while the person's hands were inside. This person has satisfied all three elements and therefore has committed attempted robbery. Attempt is always attached to a crime, so there is never a charge of attempt only without a reference to a specific crime. Someone can be charged with attempted arson, attempted identity theft, attempted carjacking, but never only attempt. However, attempt is its own individual crime, meaning that attempted kidnapping is not the same as kidnapping. This means that an attempt merges into the target offense. So if a person completes a robbery, that person cannot be charged with both attempted robbery and robbery. In Tennessee, criminal attempt is penalized one classification lower than the most serious crime attempted. For example, first-degree murder is a Class A felony, so attempted first-degree murder is a Class B felony. Tennessee law contains three distinct types of criminal attempt. The first type is when a person intentionally engages in action or causes a result that would constitute an offense if the circumstances surrounding the conduct were as the person believes them to be. This type of attempt is designed to reject the defense of impossibility, meaning that a person cannot argue that they did not attempt a crime simply because the actual circumstances make commission of the offense impossible. For example, a man who sells a substance which he believes and intends to be cocaine when he is actually selling a baggie of flour is liable for attempted sale of a controlled substance. The second type of criminal attempt, which is the most common type, is when a person acts with intent to cause a result that is an element of the offense and believes the conduct will cause the result without further conduct on the person's part. For example, a wife commits attempted murder when she replaces her husband's nightly sleeping pill with a cyanide tablet, intending to cause his death and believing he will take the tablet and die. The fact that the husband does not take the tablet or that he does not die following its ingestion does not alter the wife's liability for attempted murder, since she believed her conduct would cause her husband's death without further conduct on her part. The third type of criminal attempt is when a person acts with intent to complete a course of action or cause a result that would constitute the offense under the circumstances surrounding the conduct as the person believes them to be, and the conduct constitutes a substantial step towards the commission of the offense. The term substantial step requires courts to answer a difficult question. At what point do acts performed in a course of conduct become punishable as criminal attempt? Dexter will now explain how courts go about defining the substantial step language. Yeah, thanks, Ivy. So I did want to talk a little bit about the distinction between what Ivy referred to as a substantial step and what is called mere preparation. Generally, criminal attempt is punishable by law, whereas mere preparation for a crime is not punishable by law. Unsurprisingly, there is no clear line that distinguishes mere preparation from criminal attempt. The language that the courts and legislatures use is that criminal attempt is when a substantial step has been taken to actually try to achieve the object of the crime. 
So just thinking about committing the crime or even planning under some circumstances fails to qualify as a criminal attempt. Let's take an example of somebody who is going to murder someone. Maybe it's her neighbor who won't stop trespassing on her property. So she decides that she has had enough of her neighbor and she's going to go out and buy a gun and shoot her neighbor. She's thought about committing the crime and she takes steps to go out and actually purchase a murder weapon. Maybe she even makes up a plan on how and when she's going to kill her neighbor. But all these steps that she is taking are just things that she's doing to prepare for the crime, not things that she is actually doing to commit the crime. In order for her to be charged with the crime of attempted murder, she must do something which furthers the commission of the crime and would be able to show a jury that she has made up in her mind that she was ready and willing to go through with the crime. The Tennessee statutory provision for the crime of attempt is generally based on what's called the Model Penal Code. That's a statute that is used as a guideline for states to create their own provisions for, for crimes. Model Penal Code lists out several acts that could qualify as a substantial step in a crime. They are lying in wait for a victim, luring a victim to the place where the crime will be committed, staking out a place where the crime will be committed, unlawfully entering the place where the crime will be committed, gathering of material that is necessary to commit the crime either at or near the place where the crime is going to be committed, and soliciting another person to assist in the crime. The easiest way to decipher substantial step from mere preparation is to think of substantial step as an action that if the action were to be interrupted, then it would result in the commission of the crime. So back to the example with our neighbor, let's say that once she has bought the gun and makes her plan to kill her neighbor, she then goes out on the day that she planned and pulls the trigger with the gun aimed right at her neighbor. That's a substantial step towards the commission of the crime. The crime is murder and the substantial step that has been taken was pulling the trigger with the gun aimed right at her neighbor. Whatever happens after this point, she can be charged with attempted murder since there is probably enough evidence to prove that she took that substantial step towards the commission of the crime. Now let's add one more fact to the example. Say that as soon as she pulled the trigger, her husband, who was standing in the yard outside, jumped in front of the bullet at the very last second and was hit by the bullet but not killed. Our original angry neighbor could still be charged with attempted murder because she still took that substantial step. The fact that her plan did not go according to her plan does not change the fact that she still took a substantial step towards committing the crime. Alongside the fact that mere preparation is not punishable by law, renunciation is also not punishable by law. Renunciation is a defense that you raise once you've been charged with the crime, so you don't bring up an argument of renunciation unless you have first been charged with the crime. It just means that the criminal attempt or the criminal themselves has stopped in the course of the committing of the crime or that she has somehow abandoned her efforts entirely in committing the crime. And the actor does this in a way to totally thwart the success of the crime itself from ever coming to fruition. Renunciation also must take place before the crime itself takes place and before that substantial step that was previously discussed has been taken. So in the hypo we were using, once our angry neighbor pulls the trigger, there's no possible argument of renunciation because she can't go out and stop the bullet from traveling through the air. However, prior to that point, she can renounce herself of the intent to commit the crime. And according to Tennessee law, if the crime is committed nonetheless, regardless of an individual's efforts to stop the crime from happening, then any kind of argument of renunciation is irrelevant. Another place in which the renunciation is irrelevant is when the crime still occurs. If the individual's attempts to prevent or stop the crime from happening fail, and the crime still occurs, then any kind of renunciation defense that they raise will be shot down immediately. Renunciation has also got to be completely voluntary, so it cannot be something that is done because the individual is in fear of getting caught by something like law enforcement. If our angry neighbor heard the cops were called on her just prior to her pulling the trigger and then decides to not pull the trigger, then the voluntary nature of that renunciation would be called into question. Tennessee law says that the renunciation must be complete and voluntary. 
So now Bryce is going to talk for a few minutes about a few landmark cases on attempt. And finally, some key cases on attempt out of Tennessee case law. The first case I would like to highlight is a Tennessee Supreme Court case from 1996, State of Tennessee versus Tracy Reeves. In this case, two middle school students decided to poison their homeroom teacher. On January 5th, 1993, Molly Kaufman and Tracy Reeves spoke on the phone and agreed that Kaufman would bring rat poison to school to place in their teacher, Miss Geiger's coffee. They also applied to steal Geiger's car and drive it to the Smoky Mountains. They contacted a high school student, Dean Fouch, asking him to drive the car, which he refused to do. On January 6th, the girls set their plan into motion. Kaufman put the rat poison in her purse and boarded the bus. During the ride to school, she told another student of her plan, showing her the rat poison. The informed student told her teacher of Kaufman and Reeves' plan to kill Miss Geiger. The teacher told the principal. When Geiger entered her classroom that morning, she observed both Reeves and Kaufman leaning over her desk and giggling. Miss Geiger also observed a purse lying next to her coffee on her desk. Rat poison was found in Kaufman's purse, and both Kaufman and Reeves were charged and convicted of attempted second-degree murder. The issue the court took up was, what is the substantial step under the law for attempt? Since the court had not yet defined substantial step in a published opinion, nor did the legislature define it when they changed the statute for attempt in 1989, the court set out to do so here. In this case, the Supreme Court overturned the old Doopey rule. They ruled that when an actor possesses materials to be used in the commission of a crime, at or near the scene of a crime, and those materials serve no lawful purposes under the circumstances, the jury can find that an actor has taken a substantial step towards the commission of the crime if the action is strongly corroborative of the actor's overall criminal purpose. In this case, under the old rule for attempt, the girls may not have been held liable for attempted murder because there was no overt act yet since they had not put the poison into the coffee cup. However, since the statute had changed in 1989, there is no requirement for an overt act. All that is required now is a substantial step, which is up to a jury. In this case, the judgment convicting Reeves was affirmed based on the jury's findings that she had taken a substantial step. The second case I'd like to highlight is another Tennessee Supreme Court case from 1996, State of Tennessee versus Brian Kimbrough. In this case, brothers Terry and Jimmy Lewis conducted a marijuana selling operation in Memphis. On April 13, 1991, Brian Kimbrough and two other associates went to the residence where Lewis conducted the operation. Once within, Kimbrough brandished his pistol. Terry Lewis struggled with Kimbrough for the pistol, and Kimbrough fired several times. During the struggle, both Jimmy and Terry Lewis were shot. Terry recovered from his wounds, and Jimmy's wounds were fatal. The grand jury indicted Kimbrough on six counts. At trial, the jury convicted Kimbrough of two offenses. One, voluntary manslaughter, and two, attempted first-degree felony murder in the attempted commission of a robbery. The manslaughter conviction came with a six-year sentence, and the felony murder conviction came with a 25-year sentence to run consecutive. The issue the court took up was whether the attempt to commit felony murder is an offense under Tennessee law. Briefly, felony murder is a form of first-degree murder which is defined as the killing of another committed in the perpetration of, or an attempt to, perpetrate certain enumerated felonies, such as in this case, robbery. The court ruled that since in felony murder the intent runs with the felony committed and not the killing, reckless or negligent killings could not be attempted. There must be specific intent to engage in the action and cause a certain result. Since Kimbrough did not intend to kill Terry Lewis, it was a mere byproduct of his actions in the robbery. No specific intent could be formed to accomplish the unintended homicide. Therefore, the attempt to commit felony murder was not appropriate. The court concluded the offense of attempted felony murder does not exist in Tennessee. It is logically and legally impossible to attempt to perpetrate an unintentional killing. This has been What's the Law, presented by the 16th District Attorney General Office Interns. 
The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. We're at Adams Place talking with Lee Davenport. I have a sister-in-law that's here, and her daughters come to see me, and they said, Aunt Lee, why are you at Adams Place? I said, well, it's a good place to be. We're blessed to have Adams Place. Hi, this is Terry Deal at Adams Place. Call me for more information about Adams Place, located at 1927 Memorial Boulevard, across from Walmart. Hi, this is Gator with Tire World Off-Road. We're your local rough country dealer. So when you're ready to add some character to your rig, ask for Gator at Tire World Off-Road on Memorial Boulevard. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street, online at tireworld.us. Hi, this is Mike Cutter. I am the owner of the award-winning family-owned home care agency, Honey Hill Home Care. Are you or a loved one in need of a reliable, compassionate caregiver? We take the time to match our experienced caregivers with your family member to ensure a comfortable and lasting bond. With us, you can have peace of mind knowing your loved one will receive exceptional assistance, monitoring, and companionship from a trusted caregiver they can rely on. Honey Hill has been the trusted source for home care for hundreds of families in Rutherford County over the last seven years. Learn more at HoneyHillHC.com. This is Inside the Courts. A look at this month's trials, pleas, and grand jury action. Inside the Courts is presented as a courtesy of the Rutherford County Clerk's Office. Good morning, everyone. This is Assistant District Attorney General Trevor Lynch. And before I begin this segment today, I'd like to wish a happy birthday to District Attorney General and show co-host Jennings Jones. We begin this segment by stating that none of the defendants named in upcoming trials or hearings have been convicted and of course, they are presumed by our law to be innocent. With that as a prelude, we will now go inside the courts. On April 30th of 2018, the Laverne Police Department responded to George Buchanan Drive in response to a shooting. Emergency personnel transported the victim, identified as a juvenile, to Vanderbilt Hospital. The victim died from the injuries. The victim's younger siblings were present at the time of the shooting. Detective Ryan Hudgens was assigned as lead investigator assisted by Detective Steve Krotz. It was determined that the victim was attempting to buy a cell phone that had been advertised on social media. At the conclusion of the investigation, it was determined that Brian Barry and another had lured the victim to the location with the intent to rob the victim. During the course of the robbery, Mr. Barry or the other individual shot the victim. The defendants have both been invited for fir- indicted for first-degree murder, aggravated robbery, and conspiracy. Mr. Barry was also charged with an additional unrelated aggravated robbery charge. Mr. Barry has been represented by counsel, Mr. Russell Nixon. I had represented the state in this matter. On July 11th of 2023, Mr. Barry entered guilty pleas to the offenses of second-degree murder, especially aggravated robbery, and received a 20-year sentence to serve. Additionally, Mr. Barry pled guilty to the unrelated charge of aggravated robbery and received a 12-year sentence to serve in TDOC custody. On the 16th of March, 2023, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department were dispatched to a residence on Swanson Lane in response to a 911 call where officers located the body of that Safon Cesarino. Miss Cesarino had been beaten to death in her garage and her throat had been cut. The victim's husband, Focam Cesarino, was unaccounted for. 
Mr. Cesarino was later found covered in blood. After concluding an interview of Mr. Cesarino and his detective Richard Presley with the Murfreesboro Police Department has been assigned as lead investigator. Mr. Cesarino is represented by the Office of the District of Public Defender and is scheduled to appear in the General Sessions Court of Rutherford County on September 22nd of this year. The state will be represented by Assistant District Attorney General Sarah Davis. On February 15th of 2023, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a 911 call of shots fired at an apartment complex on Puckett Creek Crossing. Officers discovered the body of Miss Rebecca Stockton on the floor of her apartment. Miss Stockton had been shot multiple times. Detective Julie Cox was assigned as lead investigator. Miss Stockton's live-in boyfriend, Salim Hamilton, was missing. A manhunt for Mr. Am- Mr. Hamilton was ordered, and Mr. Hamilton was located in Corbin, Kentucky. He was found to be in possession of the rental car of Miss Stockton and a 40 caliber semi-automatic handgun. Miss Stockton was shot and killed with a 40 caliber semi-automatic handgun. Mr. Hamilton was charged in Kentucky with possession of a firearm by a convicted felon and is currently in custody in Corbin, Kentucky. Mr. Hamilton has been charged with first-degree murder by the Murfreesboro Police Department and awaits extradition. On February 13th of this year, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a 911 call in reference to a stabbing on Ransom Drive. Upon entry, officers discovered the body of Mr. Philip Maddox on the floor in his bedroom. Mr. Maddox had been stabbed multiple times. Witnesses on scene advised that Mr. Maddox's roommate, Malik Smith, admitted to stabbing Mr. Maddox. Officers located Mr. Smith, and Mr. Smith confirmed the witness's claim that he stabbed Mr. Maddox. Detective David Miller of the Murfreesboro Police Department has been assigned as lead investigator. After a search of the residence, collection of evidence, and interviewing all witnesses, Mr. Smith was charged with first-degree murder. On May 31st of this year, a preliminary hearing was held, and the court found probable cause to bind the matter over to the grand jury. Mr. Smith is represented by counsel, Mr. John Slager, and I will be representing the state. On August 30, 2022, officers with the Smyrna Police Department responded to a shooting at a gas station on Sam Ridley Parkway. Mr. Nicholas Patterson had been shot during the course of an attempted robbery. Mr. Patterson later died as a result of his injuries. Surveillance video showed an armed subject entered the store, point the firearm at Mr. Patterson, fire at least one shot into the ceiling of the store, and then shoot Mr. Patterson before running out of the store. Detective Steve Hanna with the Smyrna Police Department has been assigned as lead investigator. As a result of two other robberies, one in Brentwood, Tennessee, the other in Nashville, Tennessee, Mr. Keanthony Williams was identified as a suspect. Upon execution of a search warrant of Mr. Williams' residence, he was taken in custody and found to be in possession of a firearm. Mr. Williams was interviewed by law enforcement. At the conclusion of the interview, Mr. Williams was charged with first-degree murder, attempted aggravated robbery, and possession of a firearm by a convicted felon. A preliminary hearing has been scheduled for September 18th of this year. Mr. Williams is represented by counsel Mr. Ben Wetzel, and I'll be representing the state. On December 4th, 2020, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department were dispatched to an apartment complex on North Boulevard in reference to a shooting that resulted in the death of Mr. Montavis Jones. Mr. Jones was found laying in an apartment complex lot. Detective Chris Pate was assigned as lead investigator. After the shooting, Mr. Maceo Boyd was located at St. Thomas Rutherford Hospital as a result of a gunshot wound. Video surveillance footage showed Mr. Boyd being brought to the hospital by Mr. Tevin Campbell and Mr. Paul Turner. 
After a lengthy investigation that included interviewing witnesses, obtaining cell phone records, social media records, and expert witness reports, Detective Pate charged Mr. Boyd, Mr. Campbell, and Mr. Turner, along with Mr. Martavius Guy, with first-degree murder, attempted especially aggravated robbery, conspiracy to aggravated robbery, employing a firearm during commission of a dangerous felony. Mr. Guy's girlfriend, Ms. Tabrisha Lattimore, has been charged with conspiracy to aggravated robbery and facilitation to attempted especially aggravated robbery. Mr. Boyd is represented by counsel, Mr. Michael Rexroth. Mr. Turner is represented by counsel, Mr. Josh Crane. Mr. Guy is represented by counsel, Mr. Ben Powers. Ms. Lattimore is represented by counsel, Mr. Scott Saul. And Mr. Campbell is represented by counsel, Ms. Heather Parker. I will be representing the state. A preliminary hearing was held on August the 8th of 2022 in the General Sessions Court for Rutherford County. Upon proof and testimony, these cases were bound over by the court, and in December of 2022, a Rutherford County grand jury indicted the defendants for the charged offenses. We will next appear before a circuit court judge on November 30th of this year. On April 24th, 2021, officers on patrol heard shots fired and responded to a 1621 Middle Tennessee Boulevard. Officers found Mr. Shakir Ali, who had been shot and later died from his injuries. Apollo Cantrell was identified as the shooter and fled the state. Detective Richard Presley of the Murfreesboro Police Department has been assigned as lead investigator. The cooperation with the state of Iowa, Mr. Cantrell was apprehended. He was charged, he has been charged with the offenses of second degree murder and possession of a firearm by a convicted felon. He is represented by counsel, Mr. Will Fraley. A preliminary hearing was held on February 7th of 2022, and the General Sessions Court found probable cause to bind the matter over to the Rutherford County Grand Jury. The defendant will next appear before a circuit court judge on September 27th of this year. Upcoming trials. On June the 27th of 2018, officers with the Mercerville Police Department responded to a shooting on Old Las Casas Pike. Upon arrival, officers located Dylan Biddle Jr., who had sustained multiple gunshot wounds. Mr. Biddle later died from his injuries. Officers were also contacted about an unknown male that had been shot and attempting to get into vehicles at Reeves Rogers Elementary School. The male was later identified as Albert Mustafa. Detective Doug Arrington was assigned as lead investigator. Multiple witnesses were interviewed and evidence on scene was collected. Upon conclusion of the investigation, it was determined that Mr. Mustafa and another individual went to a residence on Old Las Casas with the intent to commit a robbery. Mr. Biddle was a guest at that residence. Mr. Mustafa and Mr. James entered the residence and attempted to rob Mr. Biddle. During the course of the attempted robbery, Mr. Biddle was shot and killed. Mr. Biddle was able to return fire and Mr. Mustafa sustained a gunshot wound as a result. Mr. Mustafa was charged with first-degree felony murder attempted aggravated robbery, employing a weapon during a dangerous felony, and conspiracy. Mr. Mustafa is represented by counsel, Mr. Thomas Parkerson. I will be representing the state in this matter, along with Assistant District Attorney Ashley Chisholm Hall. This matter is currently set to begin trial August 14th of this year. On September 8th of 2019, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a shooting on Journey Drives. Officers discovered Marquise Turner had been shot on the sidewalk after leaving an event at the Elks Lodge. Mr. Turner died from his injuries. Detective Cody Thomas of the Murfreesboro Police Department has been assigned as lead investigator and developed Khalil Smith as a suspect. Upon conclusion of his investigation, Mr. Smith was charged with second-degree murder and possession of a firearm by a convicted felon. 
Mr. Smith is presently incarcerated at the Rutherford County Adult Detention Center. A preliminary hearing was held on April 6 of 2022. And in August of that year, a Rutherford County grand jury indicted Mr. Smith for second-degree murder, possession of a firearm by a convicted felon, and employing a firearm during the commission of a dangerous felony. Mr. Smith is scheduled for trial to begin April 22nd through the 25th in 2024 in the Circuit Court of Rutherford County. Mr. Smith is represented by counsel Mr. Stephen Perkins, and I will be representing the state. Yo Sincere Fomfon. On June 8th of 2020, deputies with the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department responded to a shooting on Summertime Drive. While en route, deputies observed a vehicle matching the suspect description leaving the area. A traffic stop was conducted, and deputies took a driver and Yo Sincere Fomfon into custody. Deputies observed and recovered an object later identified as a firearm being thrown from the vehicle. At the scene of the shooting, deputies discovered the body of Mr. Thin Nguyen sitting in the driver's seat of his vehicle. Mr. Nguyen had a single gunshot wound to the head. Detective Sergeant Ty Downing had been assigned as lead investigator. Upon interviewing witnesses, collection of physical evidence, and execution of search warrants on electronic devices, Yos and Sheriff Bonfon was charged with first-degree murder, attempted especially aggravated robbery, tampering with evidence, and employing a weapon during an offense. This matter is currently set to begin trial July 17th of 2024. The defendant is represented by counsel, Mr. Michael Offinger. The state will be represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. And that concludes our look inside the courts. The District Attorney's Office thanks you for listening to today's program. If you have any information regarding criminal activity in our community, please contact one of our law enforcement agencies. The information presented on today's show is solely for informational benefit and not intended to be legal advice. You should always consult an attorney whenever you need or rely on legal advice. Rutherford County's most trusted name in news. Talk Radio WGNS, Murfreesboro.